Right. Assalamu alaikum. Are y'all able to hear me okay? Let me know if you can hear me and get the video on here as well. Let's see here. There we go. You can see me. Get my screen disposition together as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. All right. And I pray we are able to see on the Vimeo side as well. Yes, indeed. Alaikum Salam. Thank you. So as we let everybody get in here today, we're going to be speaking on attitude, the importance of attitude, uh, how, you know, we've been on the, the subject of emotions. We've talked about how mood can alter your perception of reality. So now we're going to get into attitude and how that can affect our belief. It can it affect our faith. It also can affect how we treat one another as well. So we're going to continue on that thread, on that series uh, to be able to continue to work on ourselves. Self-improvement is always the goal. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, let me make sure we are all good on all sides here. Make sure. Okay. I believe we are good. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to open up in prayer as we always do. Let's... Uh, Make get into the prayer position that is most comfortable for you. Let's do so. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, surely I've turned myself, being upright to him who originated the heavens and the earth, and I am not of the polytheists. Surely my prayer, my sacrifice, my life, and my death are all for Allah, the Lord of the worlds. No associate has he, and this I am commanded, and I am of those who submit. O Allah, Thou art the king, there is no God but thee. Thou art the Lord, and I am thy servant, and I have been unjust to myself, and I confess my faults, so grant me protection against all my faults, for none grants protection against faults but thee, and guide me on the best to the best of morals, excuse me, for none guides to the best of morals but thee, and turn me away from the evil and indecent morals, for none turns away from the evil and indecent morals but thee. O Allah, make Muhammad successful and the true followers of Muhammad successful, as thou did make Abraham successful, and the true followers of Abraham successful, for surely thou art praiseworthy and magnified. O Allah, bless Muhammad, and the true followers of Muhammad, as thou did bless Abraham, and the true followers of Abraham, for surely thou art praiseworthy and magnified. I mean, All right, so let's uh, make sure I am sharing my screen so we can watch. The video we have in store today. Alright, and make sure you all are inviting and sharing this link out to those who would like to join the Power Call. The powercall.net is the website. If you would like to visit your local study group or mosque, go to noistudygroup.com, fill out the information, and be sure to take a screenshot or photo of the sign up sheet and return it back to the sister or drop it in the, uh, the telegram. We still have a telegram as well just so that we can get that credit for that and make sure that you actually made it to your study group or to the mosque on Sunday as well. And again, the theme today will be on attitude. 
and the importance of attitude. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started and let me know if you all can hear the audio once we get started as well, okay? In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. Tonight, uh, brothers and sisters, notwithstanding unforeseen events, The subject matter that I have chosen that I would like for us to reflect on, think on, is attitude and how a proper mental attitude is the proper frame out of which a true belief system can emerge. As we have said uh, over the last uh, three weeks or so, when attitudes harden, they harden into belief. And belief is the base of law. And law is the foundation of society or civilization. So once we have a society that has an improper attitude that hardens into beliefs that are improper, then the law and everything that you place upon that system of belief is endangered if you can shake the belief, you shake down the whole uh, construction that is built upon false beliefs, false assumptions, and a false attitude. Now, according to the dictionary, well, we're gonna we're gonna pause for a second. I want to make sure I get the audio on the premium side correct here. Give me one moment. One moment. Let's fix that. Make sure everybody can hear.
attitude is the manner, the disposition, the feeling, the position with regard to a thing or a person. Attitude. I'm sure you've heard the expression, he's got an attitude. She's got an attitude. The attitude is not necessarily or does not necessarily have to be spoken. The attitude just is demonstrative of a manner, a way, a disposition, a feeling, a position with regard to a thing or a person. I'll come back to that in a minute. Attitude is a tendency or orientation of the mind. And it is a position or posture of the body appropriate to or expressive of an action or an emotion. It is the tendency of an individual to act in response to specific social situations resulting from his or her innate biological and psychological characteristics or from the environmental factors which condition his or her. All right, so we're going to give me a second here. Let's back it up. And we're going to get it right. Give me one moment to download the video. We'll get it right. Okay. On the Vimeo side, can hear. Okay. Okay. One moment. We're going to get it right. One second.
And one moment, family, on the Vimeo side, we're just getting it downloaded so everybody can hear throughout the app and on this side as well. So I'll give you one moment. precedent in the nation of Islam. We talk to our brothers and sisters. We reason together. We're not antagonistic toward those who don't believe exactly as we believe. So this gives us a chance then to talk more and more with our people who are of different faiths. And one of the recurring themes, especially in those who are devoutly religious, is they tell us, well, you know, we can't argue with what Farrakhan has as an economic program. We can't argue with his moral teaching. We can't argue with his social structure, the fact that he's curing drug addicts and he's making people stand up. We can't argue with that. But it's just his theology. You need Jesus. All right. We don't even argue with them on that. We say, let's reason together. If we need Jesus, and we do, why do we need Jesus? What is there about Jesus that makes us need Jesus? I just finished reading a book called The Leadership Style of Jesus by a man named Michael Youssef. Now I know he has a Muslim name, but he's not a Muslim. He comes out of a Muslim background, but he grew up a Christian. His education was paid for by the church. He has a master's degree in theology from the seminary where I bought the book in Pasadena, California. And he has a PhD in theology from Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. He is a bona fide Christian scholar. But he wrote this book, The Leadership Style of Jesus. And it's very interesting. When you dissect the leadership style of Jesus, you can understand why we need Jesus, and if not Jesus, then we need somebody just like Jesus. Well, am I saying we need somebody that will go and let people crucify him on a cross and die? No, we don't need that. We've, got, we've had too many sacrifice their lives for us without us even responding to them properly. We've had enough of that kind of Jesus. We have condemned too many of them to death. Cemeteries are full of black men who have given their lives for yes, us sir. and we are ungrateful for it. Yes, sir. Okay, so we don't need that. That happened to that Jesus then. We don't need that again today. What is it about Jesus that we need a man like Jesus today? Is it the Jesus who said, if a man smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek? No, I don't think so. In fact, brothers and sisters, I've always been convinced that that was a typographical error. I think that was a typo. Yes. I think they meant to say, if a man smites you on one cheek, turn the other's cheek. <laughs> but I just want to briefly, before I bring Minister Farrakhan forward, tell you the best part of the book that I saw was that this man, Michael Youssef, 
pointed out that if a public relations fund, uh, firm were handling Jesus and they saw him go like he went in the book, there are five mistakes that they would say that he definitely made and that if they were handling his campaign to be the Messiah, they would have changed five things that he did. These are the five public relations, quote, mistakes, end of quotes, that this man says that Jesus made. He didn't go immediately to the upper class members of Jewish society when he started his mission. Any PR man will tell you, you're trying to get into a people, you first go to the upper class and get their approval. Second thing, not only didn't he go to the top echelon, he didn't even stop in the middle. He went to the poor people, the sick, and the so-called criminal element. They said, that's, what, that's a mistake. Public relations man tell you, that's not the way to get into power. It's not the way to establish your leadership. The third thing, he didn't try to sell himself by making a bunch of glorious promises. He never promised the folks that if you followed him that he would give you the number. He never told you anything like that. If you read Jesus' promise, he's telling you about a kingdom that you can help establish, but he never promises you that he's going to give you any baubles, bangles, and beads for following him. So they said that was the third mistake. You know how they, when they're selling stuff on television, they always got something they want to give away with it? Well, that's the public relations way that you go about things. Yes, sir. The fourth thing they said, he alienated the existing leadership. The existing leadership among the people he was trying to raise said, in fact, sometimes he seemed to go out of his way to confront them instead of trying to get with them. And then after all of that, they said that the final mistake he made was he refused to compromise. That's why I agree with the Christians. We need Jesus or a man like Jesus. We need a man that's not going to be bothered about who does or does not approve what he says, but a man who's going to go as God sends him for the benefit of the people that he's sent to. A man who will not judge us by how much money we got or what our background was or how much wrong we've done in life, but just the fact that we need the word of God. Need a man who's going to sell us on, sell us on being righteous for the sake of of loving God and not because we're going to get a reward. Brothers and sisters, I just want to take a second on that. You know, Brother Minister Farrakhan has said over and over and over again that how wrong it is to teach adults a religion that the only way you can pull them in line is by threats of damnation and hell. We know on the other end of the stick it's the same way by just promising them that great reward up in the sky after they die. It's the same thing. Do you know we got Sister Ava here who I think all of you are familiar with who's a lawyer. Do you know why they will put a judge in jail for accepting a bribe? Because if he accepts something from you, then his judgment of you is not going to be based on the rightness or wrongness of your case, but on the benefit. What about the same token? What kind of God would it be that's got to bribe us to be right? Then his judgment of us would not be based on it. Our judgment of him would not be based upon he's the God and we should submit to him, but it would be based upon what we expect to get. So we need a man like Jesus who didn't promise that kind of thing. One who doesn't care about the existing leadership will confront them, does confront them, challenges that which they have been teaching the people and where they've been leading the people. 
And last but not least, we don't need a compromiser. Under no, when you say compromise, you're talking about give and take. You got the truth and you're dealing with lies, that means if you give up some of the truth, you got to take some of the lies. We don't need compromise. Brothers and sisters, you show me a man that made those five mistakes, and I'll show you a man I'll follow. And at this point in my lifetime, I only know one man who can fit that description. His name is not Jesus. His name is Minister Louis Farrakhan. Assalamu alaikum. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. Tonight, uh, brothers and sisters, notwithstanding unforeseen events, The subject matter that I have chosen that I would like for us to reflect on, think on, is attitude and how a proper mental attitude is the proper frame out of which a true belief system can emerge. As we have said uh, over the last uh, three weeks or so, when attitudes harden, they harden into belief. And belief is the base of law. And law is the foundation of society or civilization. So once we have a society that has an improper attitude, that hardens into beliefs that are improper, then the law and everything that you place upon that system of belief is endangered if you can shake the belief, you shake down the whole uh, construction that is built upon false beliefs, false assumptions, and a false attitude. Now, according to the dictionary, attitude is the manner, the disposition, the feeling, the position with regard to a thing or a person. Attitude. I'm sure you've heard the expression, he's got an attitude. She's got an attitude. 
The attitude is not necessarily or does not necessarily have to be spoken. The attitude just is demonstrative of a manner, a way, a disposition, a feeling, a position with regard to a thing or a person. I'll come back to that in a minute. Attitude is a tendency or orientation of the mind. And it is a position or posture of the body appropriate to or expressive of an action or an emotion. It is the tendency of an individual to act in response to specific social situations resulting from his or her innate biological and psychological characteristics or from the environmental factors which condition his or her existence, attitude. It's a very powerful word. Now every one of us has an attitude. Would you say that? Yes. Sure. You have a manner, a disposition, a feeling or position with regard to a thing or a person. For instance, before you knew anything of Islam, you were not necessarily dispassionate or neutral. You had a manner, a disposition, a feeling, a position with regard to Islam. Is that right? You had a tendency or an orientation of the mind then my question is what produces the attitude now whenever you say it's a manner it's a disposition it's a feeling or position that is based upon some teaching You don't develop a manner, disposition, or feeling in a vacuum. There has to be something that produces the attitude, that produces the manner, the disposition, the feeling, or the position. Is that right? Yes, and usually, if you develop an attitude about a certain individual, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like him. I don't like her. Why? Well, I heard. I heard. What did you hear? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I heard that he sells dope. Or I heard that 
she is this or that. When you heard it, how did you relate to what you heard? Well, my friend is the one that told me, my cut buddy. So I believed what my friend told me. Therefore, since I heard a teaching or a word, grasped it, believed it, then the result of that was my manner and disposition, my feeling and my position when I met that person. I was kind of cold. When I was introduced, I said, this is Sister So-and-so, this is Brother So-and-so. And I stood up, and I was kind of cold. So the person that was being introduced said, mm, she's got an attitude. Mm, he's got an attitude. But the question that burdens the mind is, what produced it? I never met this person before. I don't know them. Why are they so cold toward me? The media has a vested interest in developing attitudes, shared attitudes, out of which will evolve a system of beliefs about any number of things. We do not realize how we are being manipulated daily and we develop an attitude toward one product or another toward one person or another toward one movie or another toward one people or another toward one religion or another but we never stop to think about what it is that is in control of our mind that makes us act in a certain manner, disposition, having a certain feeling or taking a certain position with regard to a thing or a person. So that tendency or orientation is not of the body, it is a tendency and an orientation of the mind. And if it is a tendency or orientation of the mind, that orientation starts with a word. In the beginning was the word. And whatever word you or you or I accept as true, then from that will develop a manner and a disposition, a feeling and position with regard to everything or person that that teaching exposes or talks to us about. Now, attitude even is deeper according to the definition. It is the tendency of an individual to act in response to specific social situations resulting from his or her innate biological and psychological characteristics. 
Now that is something serious. Yes, Deep. And we don't have time to plumb all of this to the depth, but I just wanted to take it since it's a part of our study and deal with our attitudes. Now, the Jesus of the New Testament in his famous Sermon on the Mount was giving us what is called the B attitudes. Is that right? The B attitudes. What does the B attitude mean? The B attitude means that you should be, exist in the posture, the manner, with the feeling, and take the position that these Beatitudes declare. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. We call that a Beatitude. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But they shall be fed. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, so did they the prophets that were before you. What was Jesus trying to say to his disciples? Based upon his sermon or teaching on the mount, I want you to have this kind of attitude as you go about your work. Some writers say your attitude will determine your altitude. The right attitude will determine how high you go in anything that you want to exceed in or excel in. You've heard many coaches for basketball or teachers say, son, you got the wrong attitude. Young lady, you're going to have to change your attitude or else you're not going to be successful in this course. Now there's something about your and my mental state with regard to anything that determines the success or failure of ourselves with relation to that thing. Now what we're dealing with in the study guide is the fact that white people have an attitude about us. You can feel it, can't you? In the workplace, you try many of times, most of you that work in the workplace with Caucasian people, you try to show them, look, I'm okay. You know, I'm a nice guy. You know, uh, I'm all right. I'm not one of the other kind. <laughs> Particularly if you work downtown. 
in an office. You want them to feel comfortable around you. So you may even tell a joke or two. Cut the fool a little bit just to show them, see, 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 I'm all right. But that's demonstrative of your attitude. Your manner, your disposition, your feeling, your position with regard to yourself in relationship to them, you want them to feel comfortable with you even though you yourself are not comfortable with yourself acting like that and you're not comfortable with them. Now I want you to just follow uh, just the trend. I'm not going to take a long time with this but if you look at the Caucasian their attitude toward us may be condescending you people I've always liked Negroes why some of my best friends you know I remember when I was young there was a fine Negro woman who used to come and, and, and clean our house. And she was just the nicest person. We got along well. And because of her, I've learned to like your people. How, why did you get along well with her? She reinforced my attitude my position, my feeling, and my disposition because I've always believed that we were superior. And white folks carry that attitude. That's their posture. I don't care if you see them in the ring fighting a black opponent, you will see them having an attitude generally that is unafraid, they're going to assert themselves, and I mean you've got to fight on your hands now, because their mind tells them they are superior. Then if you whip them, they'll compensate and say, well, you know, they're animals. And I never could wrestle with a bear, you know what I mean? and win. But I can outsmart that nigga anytime I get ready. Now, why am I saying this? What, what is the point? Without a teaching, you cannot develop the manner, the disposition, and the feeling. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad, in telling us about the origin of the Caucasian people, had no intention of teaching you or me to hate white people. But he wanted us to know them and to know ourselves and not to make mistakes in dealing with them because you don't know them and you don't know yourself. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that physically they are going to respond to specific social situations as a result 
of their innate biological and psychological characteristics that are different from you and yours. Now I know that there are common things that all human beings have in common, but there are differences in human beings that we must not be afraid to look at and see it for what it is. If it is a biological impossibility for two white persons to produce yellow or brown, much less black, then biologically they cannot be your father or the father of the black race that, or the black nation. Biologically they can't do it. It's an impossibility. If that is true biologically, and it is, and their own geneticists, if you go to school and you study genetics, you will have to study Mendel's law. And Mendel's law, Mendel is a, is a Caucasian, who discovered this law as he studied genetics. And Mendel said that light skin is recessive or weak and dark skin is dominant or strong. He said light eyes, blue eyes are recessive or weak. Brown eyes are dominant or strong. You can get the recessive from the dominant. You can get the blue eye from the brown eye, but you cannot get the brown eye from the blue eye. Now what are the geneticists saying? That you can get white out of black, but you cannot get black out of white. Now, the Bible bears witness to this. In the beginning, Moses is teaching, if you notice the Genesis, is called the first five books of Moses. Even though in the Genesis, Moses wasn't here. So when Moses comes along, which is 4,000 years ago, he is given a scripture to give to the Caucasian people whom he's teaching in the caves of Europe. And he's telling them, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Darkness was first, then light. Moses is teaching white people that in the beginning, these were here. And God said, let there be light or color. And he brought light out of darkness. He brought the sun light out of darkness. He brought white out of black. Now, by bringing him out of us biologically, then that biological and psychological characteristic of the Caucasian is such that he fears that from which he came and he subconsciously knows he's dealing with his superior 
although he tries to make you believe at every turn you are his inferior and if you watch him in certain social situations he's totally upset and he responds attitudinally to your presence you think he's responding because a nigga has come in the room and in a sense you're right but the Caucasian is also responding to the fact that there's something about you that he just doesn't quite understand on the common level though the ones at the top know and understand well now the mind of the Caucasian was based upon a teaching that Yaqub his father taught him on how the methodology of mastering black people that teaching is what gave the Caucasian the manner the disposition the feeling the position with regard to you and me that they are better it's the teaching that made them see themselves as better because they were taught it was their time to rule you and me so they had to have a mentality or an attitude of rulership that is all ingrained in their teaching now once that teaching hardens you get a whole belief system and that belief system is codified into law and institutions so the white people have set up a world colleges universities schools churches a court system economics based on white supremacy everything in their world reinforces their attitude are you are you following me and you are the greatest reinforcer of their attitude in that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that the black nation the original people were put to sleep in order to allow this new people on our earth to exercise their power of rule so they call the black people all over the earth sleeping giants well now what made you go to sleep what makes you go to sleep tonight what are the circumstances that produce sleep fatigue is one huh drowsiness is a sign of lack of oxygen in the brain you may have just had a good meal and come to hear the teachings but that good meal in order for it to 
oxidized in your stomach, it had to pull oxygen from the brain. So that good meal makes you feel after you really put one down, just a little bit drowsy. But you're not going to sleep because you ate well. The lack of oxygen in the brain is a perfect way to put you to sleep. The lack of the rays, the energizing rays of the sun, when the sun goes down, since the sun is the life, energy, and force, when that sun disappears on the western horizon and darkness comes over, there is an energy field that is less than in the day. And that loss of energy plus, which of course results at the end of your day, which you're, you're still a little fatigued, then you eat and the lack of oxygen, fatigue, loss of the energy rays of the light of the sun and you go off to sleep. Now what did we lose? See? Oxygen that you inhale, if you don't get enough of it, somebody chokes you and they cut off the supply of oxygen, in a little while you go out. Either to death or you become unconscious. By the white man, and God is the real author of this order, not allowing the light of truth to strike you. Not allowing inspiration, that's what you call oxygen, inspiration. And every time you do that, you are inspiring. And when you expire, that means you, you let the last bit out. Is that right? So when you inspire or take in inspiration, oxygen, inspiration from God, you are quickened mentally. When God deprives you of that, you fall asleep mentally. So even though black people are the fathers of civilization, the mothers of civilization, yet without God's inspiration, you will be as a person who built in the day and fell asleep last night and couldn't do anything last night because he was asleep. You can't pursue your conscious knowledge until you reawaken. So the white people have been dealing with a black people that are what? Sleep. In that lack of knowledge and inspiration coming to us, we strengthen their attitude. When you see old step and fetch it movies, have you seen any old movies where blacks were in the movie playing what? Butler, May, Scat, Yasser Boy, Yasser Misty, Charlie, Yasser, and all that. See, that reinforces the white man's attitude, I'm supreme. I'm the best. I'm God. 
But when you act contrary to their attitude toward you, you begin to mess up their mind. Okay. Their attitude toward you has produced in you and me an attitude toward ourselves. They have taught you and me in all their schools, you're inferior. They don't say it out, nigga, you're inferior. But if you could distill, if, if the educational system was a wet rag and you could wring it out, it would write black inferiority, white supremacy. Okay? So every time you go to school, I'm not telling you not to go to school, but I'm telling you to watch. Every time you go to school and you ingest knowledge, take in knowledge, the, 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 the prevailing philosophy underlying the knowledge is to tell you, you are inferior. I am the superior. So now you have developed an attitude, a manner, a disposition, a feeling, a position toward yourself. Now what is that? Check this out. If you're dark and you've been beaten down all your life about being dark, about the texture of your hair, so you don't really see yourself as beautiful. You only see someone as beautiful if they're light, with curly hair, or long hair. So the blacker we are, we manifest an attitude toward ourselves. Oh, hell, I'm just so ugly. I'm just Why did God mess with me like this? You know what I mean? Why couldn't God have given me straight hair like so and so? Why couldn't God do better by me? God don't love me. White man don't love me. Mama don't love me. Daddy don't love me. My friends don't love me because I'm black. And the worst thing, now I don't love myself. So we as a people have developed a hostile attitude toward ourselves. You're not hostile toward white people, though you should be. You just I want to, I just want to show you, I'm all right. I washed this morning, see? I put some clean and fresh under my arms. I, I ain't stinking, y'all can accept me. I know how to act like you. I know how to put on airs and act with social graces like you want me to act. I can do that. Why won't you accept me? So they bend you all out of shape just to get you to make them accept 
your blackness that you yourself have not accepted. See? So now, you hostile. Your orientation of the mind says, you're a nigger, and niggers ain't nothing. The light-skinned one can feel good next to the black-skinned one, but the light-skinned one still feels inferior next to the white one. Very sick. Very, 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 very sick. So your teaching and orientation of the mind is, niggas ain't nothing. Nigger can't tell me nothing. Nigger can't do nothing for me. So, sisters and brothers, there is nothing in your orientation to make you love yourself or her. And there's nothing in her orientation to make her love herself or you. So the marriage is generally false. You know what you say when you say, I love you? You're saying to the person, there is something that you do for me. That makes me feel good. And I call that love. And that's why you find most of the male-female relationships stop and stop in the bedroom. It's only what you can make me feel, how you can make me feel good. But after that is over, I go back to the mentality of self-hatred. Oh, it's really sad. And after a few months, you wonder, where did this love go? Then all the hostility that doesn't show in a romance manifests in the so-called marriage. Because the romance is deceptive. I need something. You got it? Baby, I got it. What you need? Baby, I got it. What you want? Baby, I got it. Well, after you get what you got, and I get what I want, then I'm through. Because I really didn't want you. I don't want no nigga. And underneath, this is what you say, I don't want no nigga. I don't want no nigga woman. I don't want no nigga man. I'm just saddled with this madness. So your marriage is have no longevity. One year is heavy. If you make it three, give them a real big medal. <laughs> but they don't get beyond three years and all the hostility that you didn't even know where it came from. Is this the same woman? Damn it. Is this the same man? You're full of hostility. And this is why, brothers and sisters, you can't have organizations 
we break them up. We have an attitude that just breaks, breaks up all our organizations. Because you cannot accept. With that orientation of your mind, you cannot accept black leadership. You cannot accept that anything black is good. And therefore subconsciously, even if he says good, I, 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 something's wrong. And you will keep on probing until you find something. And then when you find one little thing, then you just pick like a woman that got a beautiful uh, um, sweater of yarn. And she finds one little thing out of place and she keeps pulling until everything loses its form and gone. And brothers and sisters, this has to be destroyed in order to facilitate the process that we call the resurrection of the dead. The whole human family of the earth is suffering under a teaching that has produced a mental attitude that makes the whole earth unworthy to live in the kingdom of God. Boy, this is this is something I I, I, I just hope that you just bear with me just a, just a few more minutes. God cannot have in his kingdom people who feel, who believe, who exhibit a manner and a position that they are better than others in the kingdom. And God cannot have in the kingdom those whose mind is so inferior that they have such a hostile, hateful, antagonistic attitude and spirit toward one another that they can never produce peace in their being together. Now all of you that belong to the church I don't care if it's a holiness church. I don't care if it's a Baptist church, Episcopalian church, Church of God in Christ, Catholic. Whatever your church is, examine your church members. See, you talk about Satan taking a hold on people. Satan is all there among the so-called righteous worshipers and what you don't realize that you are fighting you are fighting something that you cannot recognize and that's why Paul said our war is not against flesh and blood but it's against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And until and unless we can recognize that dangerous attitude that we have and destroy it. You can't destroy it just by looking at it. 
you can destroy it only with a teaching that breaks it up and produces a new kind of attitude. And I must say that this is what makes the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad so important, so valuable, so necessary. Because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teaching attacks the manner, the disposition, the feeling, the position of inferiority that we have, that hostile attitude toward ourselves. Now, tonight, when you see last week young men who were taught the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad creating a nuisance or disturbance on your post and you ask them I'm very sorry you, you will have to be dismissed And they say to the keeper of the house, we are not going any place. Now you're not permitted to make a nuisance in here. This is a house, hopefully, that we can establish peace among one another. But peace on the basis of submission to the order of the house that brings the peace to the law of the house that brings the peace. So when you come to that door, you are like reaching the border of a nation. So when you hit the border of any nation, you meet a God. Go to Canada. When you reach the border, you stop. You come in by car, are you carrying any firearms, are you carrying any of this? Where are you a citizen? Where were you born? Well, I'm a citizen of the United States. Let me see your driver's license. They may stop and detain you at the border and say, just a moment, would you open the trunk of your car? If they suspect you, they may say, would you step inside here, please? You have some bags here, would you bring them with you, please? They're very courteous, but they have a right to stop you at their border to make sure that when you come in, you're not carrying anything that is against their rule, their law. Is that right? Listen carefully now. I was traveling from Arizona to California. When we got to the California border, they asked, are you carrying any fruits or plants? Because you can't bring fruit into California from Arizona or from, Calif uh, from Arizona to California or from California into Arizona. They stop you at the border. They have the right to search your car, though they generally take your word. When you come in that door, 
you are entering out of the world into a house under the order and the law of Allah. You are not permitted in here with weapons. You are not permitted in here with drugs. You are not permitted in here. You can bring the hostile attitude. We will let that in because we have something to correct that. But we're not going to disrespect you and search your woman in your presence or search you in her presence. So when you go to the border of Mexico and they have to search a woman, they take the woman off and a woman searches her. Or they take the man off and a man searches him. Is that right? When they are satisfied that you are all right, they say, they sign your visa and you come on in. This is a government. This house is under another kind of law. So as you can go anywhere else with knives, with guns, with reefer, or cocaine, or your medicines, when you reach here, we tell you that is not permitted. Do we have the right to do that? By our law we do. What is that for? We are conditioning you to get another kind of attitude towards yourself and your own kind because nobody here is going to hurt you. That's not our aim, to hurt our people. Our aim is to teach our people and stop our people from hurting themselves and one another. But as long as you have that hostile attitude, you are bound to come into conflict with your own family members, your own community, household. You see? Because we just hate to see black authority. So I'm saying that to say that there is an order here that we have to maintain. Each one of these brothers and sisters have a post. It may look silly because you don't see it nowhere else. Try to understand that we are training and preparing for nationhood. One day you will have borders of your own and people will come to your borders and there are certain things that we will not permit in our nation. You go to Saudi Arabia right now, when you hit the border, and you're in the airport, they search your bags. You don't come in there with no Playboy magazine. They don't allow pictures of naked women or men in Saudi Arabia. You don't come in there with contraband literature. They will tell you, I'm sorry, this cannot come in.
You can, but this gotta go. You say that's my magazine, then you go with your magazine. Now we have that right at that door. If you say, well, ain't nobody gonna search me. I ain't never been no place where nobody search me. Hell no. Take your hand off of me. Now you can say that. You can say that. Well, sister, well, brother, look. This is a procedure here. You know, it don't imply any distrust. It's just that we don't permit certain things in our meeting place. If you don't wish to comply with this rule or procedure, um, would you please be escorted? Uh, you, you may be dismissed. I ain't going nowhere. Wait, wait, now. That's, now you're wrong. Now you're wrong. Because if you don't want to bow to the rule of the house that gives you order and peace, then we ask you kindly to excuse yourself. Then you're going to say, no, no. I ain't going no place. Now you're challenging the authority of this house to maintain order over its own house. Then we have to eject you with whatever force is necessary to do. We ain't doing it because we hate you. That's our law given to us by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, given to him by Master Farad Muhammad. And if we don't carry it out, we have total disorder and chaos. When you come here, we don't, we don't, you don't come here because you're right. You come here out of a world that's wrong to hopefully be made right by a righteous teacher. So you can't come here and tell God and the, and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad what they should do. You come to be handled by God. To be made into something different than the white man made you. He made you in this shape. He gave you the manner, the disposition, the positioning, the attitude that you have. And that attitude is so funky in the sight of God till you stick in the nostrils of civilized people. Don't nobody want a nigga nowhere near them because your attitude stinks. And you got to change. You got to be changed. And in order for you to be changed, you have to be submissive in order to be changed. But the scripture said, except you become as what? A little what? See? Except you become as a little child. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because... You got to be born again because the way the white man shaped us, we are unacceptable to God and unacceptable to ourselves. So this teaching breaks you down in the old mold and builds you up in another mold that will make you accepted in the civilized societies of the entire world that when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gets finished teaching you, you can go anywhere on the earth and be respected and be honored and they will say, come in! Because you know the manners, the arts, the sciences of the civilized peoples of the earth. Do you follow what I'm saying?
All right, all right, all right. We're going to pause it right here. Let me get my screen back together here. And I am sure you have something that you would like to share because this was a heavy teaching as well. Because we all, as he stated, we all have an attitude. We all have a position that we that we are in, whether it was made to be in a certain position or we're working to change our position. We all have an attitude. Um, so let me get this uh, straight here. Open up the open up the phone lines, as they say. If you would like to share your comments, press the number one, and we'll bring you on up. And if we can get uh, either Sister Randisha or Sister Alexia, if you could keep me in order as well, as far as who has raised, risen their hands. Let's see here. Thank you. All right, Sister Shetline. And bear with me. I appreciate you all not having the attitude against me. As I, you know, it's on the job training. So we're going to get it right. Every day we're going to improve. That is definitely the goal here. So let me bring you on up. Yes, And as a result of that, this individual turns cold towards you. Somebody that you've never met that's never met you. And you're wondering, why is this individual so cold towards me? It's because somebody has whispered in their ear some something that they disliked about you. And probably they don't even have a reason for it. But when he said, blessed are you when men viled you, be glad about it. So I'm glad to have heard him say that. And I've heard him say that before because I've been able to just dismiss individuals that are like this. So that stuck out to me. Also, when there are other people who have problems with you that produces a attitude or disposition in you and i say that and i speak on that because people wonder why you have an attitude towards them or, or you can develop attitudes towards people because of the way that they treat you there are many times when people treat you in certain ways that are just unnecessary and because of that you develop this certain disposition which he says is an innate biological 
and psychological characteristics that would have us to respond in the way that we do. And it's usually because of something someone has done to us. So I'm, I'm paying attention to my attitude a lot more. And, and there's something that I'm dealing with right now and praise Allah that I'm able to handle it in the best of my manners uh, at this moment, because this craziness is crazy, crazy and heavy. But because of these teachings, because of everything that Brother Ben gives to us on these power calls, I've been able to handle this in such a magnificent way. It's it's just a blessing. It's not shocking to me because it's kind of shocking because I'm able to handle it so peacefully, even though in my mind I'm damn near going crazy. But I'm handling this madness and I'm thankful for my attitude towards it because I know my attitude determines my altitude. So that's all I have to share on this this morning. Especially also when he talked about antagonistic attitude and antagonistic attitude can never produce peace. So I'm gonna let this individual deal with this ridiculous antagonistic attitude and I'm gonna keep my peace. You all keep your peace today and pay attention to your attitude today. That's all I have to share. Okay, we're gonna try this. Assalamualaikum. Uh, the whole part of this lecture has stood out for me, and I thank Allah for these morning power calls that keep me in check with how I should conduct myself, and it's a daily process, and I will continue to strive until the end. Nevertheless, and um. Speaking about attitude, it uh, put me in mind of um, scriptures in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. And my attitude is the way in which I see and view this world. So with that being said, I strive to be mindful of what I put in front of me and allow myself to hear in all aspects of life i strive it's a daily process my attitude also is the major difference for my success and my failures because as i go into 
accomplishing a short-term goal, long-term goal, I should keep in mind the attitude that I have going into a thing. Because if I go into a thing with that doubt or sometimes I may be hesitant, sometimes there may be some fear factors, but nevertheless, keeping these teachings to the forefront of my mind, especially I can conquer all things through Christ who strengthens me, will help me become successful. Um, one thing that stood out to me also that uh, struck me is as I uh, attend my MOSS meetings on Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, whatever it is, keeping my attitude in check because we are amongst our nation of original people. And as the minister referred to in the lecture, because we are a black people and with a black nation, if I'm saying that all correctly, keep myself in check because if someone comes to me in correction, whether they do it in love or however it's delivered, I should keep in mind to accept the correction, look into a thing without being so easily offended or going, well, she did this. Why are you coming to me? I saw them do this over here. No, no, no. I am being addressed. So the only person I am responsible for is myself. Not whatever, what I see everybody else doing or not doing, but keep myself in check. Keep this positive attitude. Not saying that I won't feel some kind of way inside. Exactly, Sister Randisha, rising above emotions into the thinking of God. Because it's always going to be something. But if I keep my emotions, attitude in check and rising above them, striving, striving. Again, it's a daily process and being patient with myself. Love conquers all. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I apologize if y'all cannot hear. Um, but what I was saying was that when you think about attitude and how it determines your altitude, that's parallel to what we've been learning about rising above emotions into the thinking of God. If our emotions and our mood is altering our reactions and our responses, our reality, we're not rising above. We're, we're staying low, you know. So we want to make sure that we are rising above emotions and making sure our attitude is in the right place because just because uh, you you may say I don't have an attitude. I think about that like with children. So you ask a child why, why your face like that, or why you're going, why you're doing this, that, and third. What's wrong with your attitude? And they say I don't have an attitude. We we all have an attitude. Now is it the proper attitude? That is the real question. And as the minister brought it as well, we should be looking at what is the cause of that attitude. Is it what someone else said? Is it um, the way it was presented to us is it the delivery of, of a certain message as well that is causing our attitude to change or for us to get into a certain manner or in, or to take a certain position against something or someone that we don't have the full knowledge of. We don't have the facts of as well. Um, and one other thing that stood out to me when he brought up about 
when we all say, you know, I love you. But are we do we truly mean that or is it just a self beneficial motive behind saying that we love you? I love you up to a point of what you can do for me. And when you're not able to provide that need, if you're not able to give me what I'm looking for, seeking from you, then at that point, that love stops there. When he brought up about how, you know, marriages tend to end in three years, that hit home for me because I was in, when I was married, it only lasted three years. So to hear that now, and I think about what caused the division, what caused the divorce, it was a, a, a fighting against what's, what, who wants what. It was, uh, I'm not getting what I thought I was getting, what we thought we was getting married for and, and the union that we had before we was married and how it's different now. So it's, it's really understanding these words. It's really about understanding what do we mean when we say it and do we mean what we say or are we just saying what we need to to make someone comfortable as the minister brought out how we maybe, you know, as Sister Yassine say, sometimes key can, we key can with, with corporate America. When you're in corporate America, you, you say what makes them feel comfortable but you're not comfortable with yourself in doing these type of things so just just being mindful of those things though that stuck out to me for sure um and just not having that hostile a attitude toward each other because we're in or made into a condition to hate ourselves so it makes us hate one another that we see as ourselves as representatives of ourselves so those are the things that kind of stuck out for me let me see let me go to the back to the chat here give me one second do we have any more ones here. Yes, it's the Yasina. Oh. Hit the wrong button. So let me try this again. Alright. But yes, indeed, if you would like to share your comments press the number one also if you would like to upgrade so you can come over and share your feedback go and upgrade to the premium side and join us in the conversation because i'm sure you have takeaways as well um if you're on the the, the regular side as well so assalamu alaikum sister yasina wa alaikum salam brother me how are you i am well i am well thank you uh, my daughter interrupted me and, and I couldn't find what I was looking for and closing the gap. So now I have an attitude. Anyway, um, Sister Yolanda, she pretty much said what was in my mind. Um, praise be to Allah. But I do want to touch on the beauty very quickly, if I can, of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and what he brought to us as a people and as a nation our having been put to sleep having lost the knowledge of ourselves the knowledge of god the knowledge of our home the knowledge of who and whose we are as a people so to have master muhammad to love us so much to have his father Alfonso love us so much, to prepare one to come, to change our attitude towards ourselves, to for him to raise the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, who when he found him, he said he was so deep in the mud that the only thing you can see if I'm if I'm phrasing this right was his eyeball 
which meant that he had no love of self because he had no knowledge of self. Just think about the God who searched the earth to prepare a man who would with him prepare another man, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan for us to be on this call right now. Without those three men, our attitudes towards ourselves, our attitudes towards the God, because at first he was a mystery God, and now we know him to be a true and living God, Max the Father Muhammad, Allah in person. They changed our attitudes of who and who we are as a people. They changed our attitudes of how we see the colored man, the Caucasian white man. They changed our disposition and are changing our disposition towards how the black man sees himself, of how the black woman sees herself. We have a ways to go, but a lot works in his own time. But to just know that before the honorable Elijah Muhammad and Master Father Muhammad, we didn't know who Gregor Mendel was to learn of dominant and recessive traits, to show us the power of who we are as a people, that without us, there, there was no sun, the stars, the moon, the light bulb, the traffic light all came from and so much more came from the mind of God in us. But we wouldn't know that without the three. So our attitude towards ourselves, not in an arrogant way, our attitude when we look in the mirror itself should not be one of inferiority. It should be one of, not in an arrogant way, but superiority. Because of us, others are. But because of God, we are. So we should get up every morning and go to bed every night thinking Master Father Muhammad for coming to us, thanking the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, who is the exalted Christ and is alive and in power. Thanking the Messiah, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. Thanking those who have stood up for us. Thanking the believers. May Allah be pleased with them in the first and thanking those who've stood with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and continues to stand with him. 
to make sure that our nation continues to rise. That should be our attitude. Assalamu alaikum. off mute on the other side but that's what can happen with us as people if we continue to pick at one another at the faults that we have we have to understand the condition that we in we have to understand that this is a process of developing into a god it's a process and all of us are at different stages different levels of growth and if we continue to pick at one another's faults where we don't know what they've gone through or what level they've had to surpass to get to that point where you can even see that particular fault and if we continue to pick at it we destroy the fabric of our unity by continuing to pick at these small things picking on one another things that we find that we don't like about this person but if we're not looking at things with the right attitude if we're not uh, understanding where we've came from we're not understanding what we've gone through and we're not understanding the love of one another we're going to always find fault with one another and then we find us that we don't even look at ourselves we can see everything in everybody else but we can't see what we need in ourselves to work on, which what that could be, as we're saying, is our attitude and how the position that we're taking, that are we trying to save one another and unify, bring peace, or are we trying to continue the perpetual chaos that we see in the world as well? Let's see here. Brother Eric, you are next. Let me bring you up here. Eric, there you go. All right, you should see the invite coming your way. But yes, indeed. Uh, again, press the number one if you would like to share. And if you would like to visit your local mosque or study group, go to www.noystudygroup.com. Assalamu alaikum. Wow. Hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Wait, Thank you for you a little choppy, my brother. Uh, there we go. Y'all hear me now? We can hear you a lot better. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, one was the media has a system of manipulation uh, that's doing it daily and that how a lot of the, the influences from the media is affecting our kids. I'm a firefighter, so I see children with these AKs and switches and stuff. We're we going nuts right here in Memphis and in other areas. And um, we just need so much help. And the influence is so heavy that their mindset, they don't know that their mindset is gone. And 
it's hard to have uh, patience with our own when they're killing. They're taking us down. And uh, but the teachings is helpful because it's helping me guard my emotions when dealing with our own. And I deal with us all the time. And it's how we deal with us. Maybe we can inspire them. And that's another part I got, the inspiration. The correct inspiration is giving life to these people and to our people. Because without it, they have expiration, which is death. So I hope that makes sense. But that's all I that's all it is. I'm just a I'm just an old guy. I used to be in the streets myself. And it's just hard to reach our own. That's it. Uh, I'm going to leave you as I greeted you, brothers and sisters. Yeah, you're not old, you're mature. You're seasoned, you're tenured. You know what I'm saying? So when you're saying that we old, you definitely are doing the work, so that's always beautiful as well. So praise be to Allah for your words. And that's so important as well that, you know, it's, these are life-giving teachings. These are not life-taking teachings we've been we've been taught that we've been taught how to take our life but we need to be working on how to give life how to save our life um, and that, that's beautiful that you brought that out as well sister yolanda i believe you are next let me get you there you go. i got you brother eric let's see here there we go I think Brother Steven as well. I think you had your, you up there too. So I'll get you next. Yes, sir. This lecture we reviewed today put me in a mind um, set. Can y'all hear me? Something happened. Yes, ma'am. I can hear you. Okay. Of what we review in, in the study guide 20, closing the gap. Um, just on Friday. And as it states in here, if you take a law's coloring, then you see things through his eyes. When you see things through his eyes, when you see through bleh, when you see things through the eyes of a law God, you cannot see wrongly because you see as he sees. And then I thought about how does my attitude affect my perception? And going into that further in the reading, it says, if you see yourself as that more than what you really are, what does my self-perception do to my perception of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad? Skipping down from that you get sets and parties from that you get destruction of the unity that was present when the principal party was present from that you get variations on the theme and teachings of the honorable elijah muhammad and prophet muhammad moses or jesus but i skipped a sentence and it said leading before that it says from that you get a splintering and as i was in study group out I forgot to look up uh, or clear the word splintering. 
and I cleared it just a moment ago, break or cause to break into small, sharp fragments or units. So again, going back around to my attitude, if I begin to not uh, cleanse myself, be clear on myself, who I am, whose I am, my attitude I take into the mosque, I can begin to cause in my communication and dialogue with sisters a splintering in our MGT class, um, just in the mosque altogether because of my attitude. So again, as I alluded in the beginning, let my posture of my attitude be constantly striving to see as the God sees. And in everything I look at, can I see God in everything I'm looking at, whether it's right, wrong, or different, good, bad? Again, that attitude, wow, this thing is so powerful and important. And then going back to my family, I forgot to mention this the first time, even in family, with me coming into these teachings, I have just come into some division within my family. And I believe it's because of our attitudes and our perceptions. Nevertheless, when your parents transition, you have the rest of your family still left. So therefore, let my attitude and what I proceed of the thing, and especially if I can't go to the source, which is my parents, and get clarity on the matter, still let me look at things and still see the God in it. And sometimes what I see man, others manifesting, I question and ask myself, is that something that I have in myself? So digging really deep and going to the roots of stuff that come out of me, my self-correction, self-analysis. Again, just looking at a thing and still being able to see God in everything is important. And it has helped me tremendously. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam. That was that was good. I, I praise be to a lot that you brought that up as well because as the minister brought up about that oxygen. Uh, oxygen is that inspiration, and you cut when you cut off your source of oxygen. That's how you begin to expire or you become become unconscious. And how we are the reinforcements of the attitude that the white man or the enemy has in this world, and that we have been put in a position to have a hostile and attitude toward one another because we are we have cut ourselves or they've cut ourselves off away from the truth um, over that time of slavery. And if we aren't inspiring one another, what are we doing? That becomes the question um, to one another as well. So just something to think of, think about as well and how you brought up that, you know, we are sleeping giants. So whenever we're not walking in our godhood, we're reinforcing the attitude that we say that we hate. We're, we're reinforcing the environment that we in that's causing so much chaos when we're not walking in our Godhood, when we're not respecting one another, we're not respecting ourselves. And um, as Sister brought out as well, that when, we, when we're not looking at ourselves, doing that self-examination, when you think about perspective, what you see in somebody else is a reflection of what you've been through yourself. So you can only see what you are aware of. So if you're not aware of a certain type of attitude towards individual. If you're not aware of envy and jealousy, you won't see it. 
But once you know that you've been in through that process, you've been envious before, you've been, you know, you've lied before, if you've done certain things, that's the only reason why you can see that particular fault. So that's why it's so important to have that self-examination because we all can see what we can, what we, what we actually believe and what we actually have done before in the past as well. So let me get Brother Steven up here so he can share. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Uh, what I got from this is just a simple question that the minister asked: What produces attitude? And uh, it took me back to my childhood. Um, it took me back as a seven-year-old child in Southwest Philadelphia, moving from Southwest Philadelphia to Chicago, Illinois, and. <clears throat> When I got to Chicago, I had to create a self-manufactured attitude. It was it was an attitude that I'm still working to deconstruct now. It was an attitude of mm, I would say I had to create a an artificial superiority attitude. Mm. An attitude that righted all the wrong stigmas, even if it wasn't right, even if the attitude was was falsified. I had to create an attitude that a seven-year-old child who couldn't afford the ideals of popularity, so I couldn't afford the Jordans or the Nikes, and which all these things as this seven-year-old child made me feel inferior or then less than the whole community whom had that and this falsified uh, this falsified attitude or this 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 complex attitude is what made me crash most of my life made me bump my head most of my life but it also led me to where i am today um on the examination table um and when he said your attitude determines your altitude, like that false, that false attitude that I had created for myself as a seven-year-old child. Also, the determined it, it puts me, my, my reality had became so false from gang affiliation to another gang affiliation to a religious organization, to another religious organization, to prison, to prison again, to now me sitting on a power call with y'all. Those were the, the, the altitudes of that falsified attitude that I had developed for myself that was based on, on a, a, a devil's ideology. That was based on the attitude of the Caucasian, which began to permeate our community and like you said brother through slavery began to permeate the minds of our own people so that was the biggest take that i got from the uh the honorable uh, the honorable minister louis farrakhan was what produces attitude assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam praise be to allah yes sir 
that 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 is deep what you just said as well, uh, which I appreciate you sharing that because that happens to many of us. That perception of self becomes inferior because of what we see in the environments that we're in. And we begin to take on a different color. And just like Yasina was talking about when we got we should be taking on the Allah's coloring because he's the best at coloring. So when we start taking on the coloring of those around us that are oppressing us, those who are giving us a false reality, we begin to put ourselves in a position of a downward spiral. So that that's definitely important, you know, that you bring that up because we all are at different stages. I'm gonna bring you down, brother Stephen. Um, yes, sir. We, we all at different <laughs> uh, stages of growth, as we said it before, and how you just never know who's watching, and that's why it's so important for us to be considerate of our actions, always working on self, because at that stage that you're in, when you come in with the wrong attitude, if your motives are not in check, if you're not putting yourself in the position of being submissive, just as he spoke on those be attitudes, being meek, being able to be, have a hunger for righteousness, being able to uh, rejoice when those when people speak against you in the name of Jesus or in, in thy name, we have to be willing to go through those trials because it's purifying us it's refining us um all throughout everything that we're going through and we are where we are right now based off of our deeds our actions our thoughts our decisions and if we shortchange this process we'll miss all of the lessons along that's going to help us get to that next part of our life because we sometimes we may not understand why we're going through what we're going through we may not understand why somebody is approaching us or talking to us in a certain way but that's not their trial that's our trial that's for us to learn how we need to rise above our emotions, how to handle our, each other the right way, how to be able to handle ourselves in those type of heated moments so that we can be that example to show our brothers and sisters how we rise above emotions, how we become a God, how we learn, how we understand that these life giving teachers are has given us life so that we can give them an example to show how they can get life as well. So. As we begin to wrap up, I believe we have four more minutes. I appreciate everybody sharing. Uh, this has been another powerful, powerful call. We're going to pick up on the second part of this lecture. It's a very heavy lecture, so definitely go back, re-watch, uh, re-listen. Definitely put your, your testimonies. If you haven't been able to share or you have more to share, Drop it in the power card testimonial space in the app because we all learn from each other. I learned so much from from all of you, from your testimonials, from what you all have learned and gleaned from the scriptures, from the Quran, from the different books by the minister and the messenger and how we all are using. This is what the power call is all about, bringing us together, getting, getting amongst the circle of God so we all can learn from each other's and their experiences so that we can continue on our journey of growing into my um, God ourselves. So as always, it's your brother, Mr. Wesley. Uh, I appreciate you all. Definitely give love to Brother Ben as he's awaiting the young God as well being born. So definitely continue to keep his family in your prayers as well and pray for one another. As always, if you would like to upgrade, www.powercall.net. Go ahead and uh, upgrade. If you're already in the app, go ahead and upgrade so that you can share on the next Power Call. Um, and those who did share, I appreciate you all. If you want to visit your local mosque or study group, go to www.noi.studygroup.com and be sure to take a screenshot of the sign-up sheet, send it back to the sister that reaches out to you, 
um, so that we can see that you made it and definitely come back when you do make it come on back and let everybody know how your experience was but as always it's been a great call I will, it, I will see you tomorrow inshallah and have a great rest of your day assalamu alaikum